2: And welcome to Light Years. Alan Beach got a start Saturday night in Memphis, and I immediately get a text from Andy. Actually, I get a fax from Andy Lou saying I'm back. Andy,
1: what's up, man? Do you know how much it hurts? Because I spent my vacation. I didn't drink too much, Sam. Only like one or two days of the of the seven days I was out. But do you know how much it hurts to watch rewatch Warriors games late at night? You know, the good thing <laughs> is I get to skip commercials. The bad thing is I get to just be angry at 11.30 p.m. if when I'm skipping through, you know, and for example, last night was Alan Smiley. I had to to endure, you know, whatever the hell that he did in the beginning of the game. So it's been a great, it's been a great vacation. I'm glad to be back.
2: Yeah. You know, Jordan Poole (laughs) looks like a new man. And so the Warriors (laughs) decided to heat check and get Smiley in there. And they're like, nope, same man.
1: Yeah. Wow. Jordan Poole. We'll get into it a lot on this podcast, but an incredible uh, week that he's had. Alan Smiley Keach really stole the show. I think Steve Kerr's trolling us by throwing Smiley out there. I think he's trolling the front office by putting Smiley out there. I don't think Steve Kerr wants Smiley at all. I think he's just going like, Hey, you guys enjoy. You guys like this guy? You guys trade a picture for this guy. Let's see how he is. You know, and as expected, he's not very good.
2: It's it's also worth noting he was the only big they had healthy. <laughs> I mean, obviously Draymond, but and Smiley played eight minutes, so they didn't even commit to the experiment. I mean, it was bad. He was, I guess they couldn't, right, because of the fouls. <laughs> exactly. What, did he foul out in eight minutes? Five fouls. Yeah. It was just – I don't even want to talk about Smiley, but it's just like slow, dumb, unskilled, <laughs> not athletic enough. Like, I'm not seeing any NBA traits here other than, like, uh, he tries hard, but a lot of people try hard. Maybe, maybe in five years he becomes an NBA player, but he ain't close.
1: <laughs> if your best attribute is trying hard, you might as well go play college basketball. You know, you might as well co-play for uh, you know, we're watching Loyola Mer- uh, Chicago right now, you know. So, right, he did only play eight minutes. Um, he will not be the focus of this week's light years podcast, but we've got a we got a bunch of good stuff coming up.
2: Yeah, so let's let's give the the Memphis uh games just a quick recap. If you told me they were going to split with Memphis with no Steph Curry, I would take it. Watching the way they lost Saturday's game, though, very frustrating because it was it was unforced. It was unforced errors down the stretch. It is. It's like a story
1: of the season, though, like what you just said. If you had told me this team was whatever it was at the All-Star break, I think like one or two games over 500, one game. I would have been okay with it, maybe not too happy, but been fine. But if you had made me watch every game, which is what we did this season, <laughs> then we'd be pissed because we've watched every single game this season, Sam. And it it never it never stops to to annoy us more because this team should be like at least five games over 500. At least, at least. And they've thrown away games like the one that we saw yesterday.
2: And yesterday, in my opinion, it was textbook coaching. Call time out there. Steve Kerr said it after the game, but like, I'm tired of this, you know. I should have called a timeout yeah. there, you know. And like, yeah, you know, okay, Wiggins shouldn't have thrown a turnover there, but they also knew to trap him. The minute you saw the trap coming at Andrew Wiggins, you should call timeout. He's not a good enough player to be able to figure out how to get out of that. Which is why they trapped him. By the way, they're not trying to trap Draymond because they know Draymond knows what to do in a trap. They're not trying to trap Steph because he pretty much no. Well, no, they do try to trap Steph for different reasons, but um, uh. You know, like obviously someone like Wiggins, not a great decision maker, not. It's just not his forte. You should have immediately called a timeout there. Who knows? They could have still lost the game there, but that really swung the momentum.
1: Uh, I think I was more annoyed at the, Yeah, I should have called a timeout. We literally saw this in Charlotte. Literally, same exact scenario. And that loss was probably more on Draymond, actually, than Steve Kerr. But that was another one where. You know, the the uh, Borrego was was ready to call time and he was out of his seat and just, you know, him and his freaking slick back. He was ready to go. He was said, hey, hey, let great me- hair. Great. <laughs> he Just that's good hair. You know, Steve actually, Steve does, too. And he just and Steve just sitting there just not giving a single whatever he's doing. Right. And he just and it happens again. And I just I just don't care for the I just don't care for the apology afterwards or the re- self-reflection. It happened already.
2: The self-reflection is self-serving, and then he typically gets let off the hook because people are like, look, he's holding himself accountable. I'm like, is he holding himself accountable when there's no pressure to change? Um, I think something I've been thinking about is he's coaching this team like they are a veteran team, and I think that is what's really frustrating, you and me at its core. He is trying to do his Phil Jackson's Things where it's like let them figure it out and in these situations and that makes sense if you have Andre Godala Kevin Durant Steph Curry Clay Thompson David West keep going down the line it makes less sense when you're playing guys on rookie deals and someone like Andrew Wiggins is one of your veterans who I would not exactly call him, uh, you know, Iguodala 2.0. My point is these guys need more hands-on coaching with regards to situations. And that means calling a timeout when things get difficult because they're going to make a mistake. <laughs> I've watched, actually,
1: I haven't watched a ton of college basketball in the last week or so, but I've watched like a game or two a day just cause it's, it's March madness. Like that's what's all, all we do. Right. And I'm watching some of these coaches. I hate it, Sam. I hate it. I despise it. All they do is they micromanage every single play of every right. single game. They're yelling nonstop. Um, they just they think they're the star um, in a different way that Steve Kerr thinks he's the star. But I think like some of it's kind of necessary for this team because the Warriors, to me, are one of these dumbest teams in the league, partly because they're playing in a system Youth. that makes them look dumb. Yeah. Right? Like, that's number one. Number two is just they don't have like bright, the brightest players like Wiggins, Bazemore, some of these guys. And so I think it's – I'm with you. It's like you kind of do need to call a timeout there. You kind of need to be the guy – you need to call a set play, right? They don't run any set plays. Like I have never seen them run a set play. Sometimes you need to simplify the way that you run things on offense. Maybe it doesn't help this team that much. Maybe they don't become a three-seed or, or a Western Conference Finals team. But at the very least, it helps them become – helps them grow more for next season versus whatever is happening now
2: yeah and it's your borrego point actually is probably the best point the charlotte hornets and the warriors basically have the same record i don't think charlotte should be is nearly as talented as the warriors just like i mean terry rogier is playing out of his mind but he's not steph curry wiseman the difference between wiseman and Lamelo is confidence and coaching um i like pj washington but get out of here Com- you know draymond green's better like, and then obviously Gordon Hayward helps, but like, that's not a particularly talented team. They're fine, but their coach is more, I think he's just ready to coach a young team and he knows where he needs to insert himself and how, you know, the the timeout thing is a perfect example. Yeah. Um, The,
1: the other thing I think with this team too is uh, the ability to give these guys freedom to play basketball. Um, We're, We're we're gonna get to this in a bit, but the freedom to play basketball is kind of uh, it's kind of what makes it's what kind of what helps young players develop. I think Nico Mannion is a good example. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm not a fan of Nico Mannion playing just at all, but he has good moments. Sam, like I'm not gonna sit here and say like he's terrible. He's not an NBA player at this point to me, but he's. I think he can be one day. Exactly right. He can be, and he's kind of given the ability to be that player for whatever reason. Right. He has the ball in his hands. He's getting minutes, which I don't think is deserved. But he's he has the ability to shoot threes right now. Like he's given the ability to shoot threes. He's passing, he's dribbling. Those things are not given to players like James Wiseman and Jordan Poole. And that's what I'm confused about. Because Nico Mannion has looked better. Can since you got an NBA?
2: Can you explain this? Because I feel like we get this question a lot, particularly on Twitter. And I know you don't like to respond, you don't you don't like to uh respond on twitter in those ways but explain to people because they may think you're contradicting yourself you want steve to both do more and do less by letting him play what do you mean there because i know what you mean i just want you to explain it for people who don't because oh, contrary talk- to, contrary <laughs> to popular opinion andy has actually played basketball once in his life you're talking
1: about nico Mannion or jordan Poole? both just, yeah.
2: the, I'm talking conceptually. We, you're saying on the one hand, we need Steve to coach a little more, like call timeouts and things like yeah. that. On the other hand, he needs to kind of get out of the way and let the players hoop. Explain what you mean there. Yeah. I, well, I think there's a, um,
1: there's a, there's a misconception also. I think that the Warriors, if you're developing young basketball players, um, that that's, that's, that's on Steve Kerr. And that's, it's only on Steve Kerr, right? Like we've given, we've given kind of the, uh, the Santa Cruz basketball team, uh, the Santa Cruz organization and said, this, this franchise or this organization right now is doing a good job developing young players. And once you see Jordan Poole go down to the G League, he's immediately confident. He's immediately given the ability and like emboldened with the ability to do things that he's done in his career, which is kind of run around, take kind of crazy shots Kind of crazy finishes, which are kind of showing up today. Steve Kerr, on the other hand, and what we've seen so far, he would rather have someone like Nico Mannion, very Brad safe. Brett Wanamaker. Brett Wanamaker, very safe, right? And it kind of makes quote unquote all the right plays versus someone like Jordan Poole, who kind of does things more like Steph Curry. And that's where I'm like, if you're Steve Kerr, yeah, you're looking to develop players, but I think you're only looking to develop the players that you think. That you like. And that's Brad Watermaker. That's Nico Mannion versus a Jordan Poole and a James Wiseman, right? Because we always say if Bill is Steve Kirk's first pick in the NBA, I don't think he picks Steph Curry. Like he likes, he loves Steph Curry. The system works for him. But like I don't think he goes out of his way to help him. And I think the last point on on uh, as or not the last point, but one more thing as we get to Jordan Poole is that I love the everybody says, Oh, Steve, if Steve Curry didn't know this. Like, if Jordan Poole was this great, how come he didn't play in the beginning of the season? You were saying how he was terrible. Everybody was saying it was how he was terrible. Well, you know what? Steve Kerr literally coaches and watches Jordan Poole every day. He is the one person in the entire universe that should have known this. It is not up to Sam or I or Marcus Thompson or whomever else, right, to say, well, Jordan Poole is terrible. Maybe you guys shouldn't have played him. It's, it's, It's more of a... Dude, if Jordan Poole was this great right now, you guys should have known this. Like, this is, not, this is not something where it's up to the fans to know that Jordan Poole is great or not. How do they not know this, Sam? It's crazy. It should not be like this. It's not like they traded for Jordan Poole. Well,
2: here's, here's the interesting thing about Jordan Poole. Um, Ethan Strauss, who was on the show last week in your absence, kind of alluded to this and then wrote the piece on it. It was going down to Santa Cruz and having Chris Weems simplify his approach that really got Jordan Poole to play more effectively, which is to say he had to get coaching outside of the main coaching staff to play up to his potential. The talent had always been there, but he seemed confused in the Warriors system and which way to use it goes down to Santa Cruz. Chris Weems simplifies the approach. He's like, Hey man, shoot it or pass it half a second or less. Keep going. Stop trying to do 30 things at one time, which seems to be a consistent issue. With young players, just basically non-veteran players in the Warriors system, right? Like, if you want, if you want everyone to be like a high IQ decision maker, you know, you kind of have to bring in those type of players. You can't just assume a 21-year-old's ready right to do that. So it took going down to Santa Cruz for that to come out.
1: Which is, which is almost, whoa, that's not a difficult concept, I feel like. It's, re- it's not a difficult concept the simplifying what you need to do and making it easy for 21 year olds to understand like 20 year 21 year olds don't understand anything sam
2: so so to get it back to my question the point is you want you we want the you want the coaching staff to simplify everything to make it easier for 21 year olds and then intervene in games as necessary in situations such as end of games and call timeouts for them there Thus far, the, you know, Steve Kerr doesn't want to do that because he thinks in the playoffs they have to be able to figure it out on their own, which he's right. He's not wrong for that, but it's baby steps. You're worried about like Jordan Poole being able to handle a finals game. I'm worried about Jordan Poole having the confidence to play in an NBA game. You know, you got, you got, you kind of have to get from step A to B. We'll, we'll worry about Jordan Poole's playoff shortcomings when, when we're in the playoffs.
1: I think that's the, that's the, that's the clip. I mean, that's the, that's the quote right there. Like, why are you worried about the result of what Jordan Poole is going to be? Which, which you know, you see in his quotes when he says Jordan Poole is a combo guard. We can't play him. We can't play him. He's a combo guard. Who cares what kind of guard he is? He's an NBA player. Right now, the Golden State Warriors have a finite amount of NBA players. Jordan Poole is objectively, at this point, right now, an NBA player. He should just be playing games. Worry about what type of player he is when the playoffs come around, like Jordan Clarkson, probably Sam, would actually I know. was going to say, it's
2: a perfect example. Utah <laughs> runs a great system. It's <laughs> not as ball movement heavy as the Warriors, but it's kind of ball movement heavy. Yeah, but they have a per, I mean, Jordan Clarkson is destroying. He's going to win six man of the year. Yep. They found a way to use him in a system where they still at its core want to do a lot of the same things the Warriors do.
1: But Jordan Clarkson may not be an NBA player. I mean, sorry, it might not be a playoff player, Lou Williams was not a playoff player. Right. And so Jordan Poole may not be a playoff player, but who cares? <laughs> who cares? The Utah Jazz are going to be the one, two, or three seed, like, no doubt. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Lou Williams has had a 10-year career, more to go. He's, he's bounced back this season. Um, Jordan Poole, same thing. Like He might not be as good as Sean Livingston in the postseason. I don't care right now, though. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Because he just needs to be an NBA player. The Warriors
2: need good NBA players. I just and and to the to the point. Worry about that when you're there. Like you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's kind of like stop stop worrying about Game Seven of the Finals when this team is a nine seed. You know, you need to just get to the playoffs and then worry about those things as they're progressing. Like, is Jordan Poole gonna be a key contributor on the 2022 or 23 Warriors that hopefully have enough talent to compete for a title? I don't know but he can be a productive player for them right now so why not lean into that because you know you know what happens when he plays well you have more options in terms of trades you know like these are all things like and and this is all with the caveat of he's 21 he may actually end up being more a better playoff player than Lou Williams or Jordan Clarkson a couple of, you just don't know right
1: his finishing ability is incredible i mean just let's just talk about the player for a few minutes here his finishing yeah, his his finishing ability has been awesome.
2: So let's start here. What are your thoughts on Jordan Poole's recent play? I have gotten a lot of uh,
1: a lot of feedback on Jordan Poole. I did not think he was an NBA player coming into the season. I also am not Steve Kerr, Sam. I believe you are also not Steve Kerr. Uh, we do not get paid $25 million a year to judge whether Jordan Poole is a basketball player, which is why I find it very, very interesting that they did not know this. The Warriors coaching staff is similar to us where they also did not know he was an NBA player. It was pretty funny uh, that they had no idea. So fast forward a couple months after he comes back from the G League and he is finishing like he's, like, he's freaking Kyrie Irving out there. Like, like, like Steph is a better finisher, but the flash with the way that Jordan Poole is finishing looks like he's Kyrie Irving. A couple of those ones in Memphis were just silly. Like, what is going on, right? Mm-hmm. We saw the craftiness last season with the way he was passing and the way he could kind of get to the hole. So, we thought it was kind of interesting. He just couldn't shoot last season. And so, that's really, I think, the most important part. Is he really a 40-plus percent three-point shooter? Is he really? Because even in college, he wasn't. And that's with a shorter three-point line. So I don't know if it's a hot streak, but if he is shooting fast break transition threes, two-on-one, he's shooting a freaking wing three and drilling that thing. If he's 38% plus, like he is, uh, with the finishing ability that he has, uh, like that's – I mean, Jordan Clarkson is kind of the floor, if that's the case.
2: I talked with um Aunt, Anthony Wright, who's on the, the – Ant Wright, who's on the Blue Wire – Network our resident Michigan Wolverines, uh, Homer, and just kind of right. knows everything there. I asked him about Jordan Poole in the Warriors draft, and he goes, This guy can shoot, but he doesn't always take the best shots, okay, which would explain why his percentages were low. And quite frankly, having watched him now for two years, yeah, he likes to take Steph Curry shots, but he's not a Steph Curry level shooter, so If I was to guess what percentage he is, it's probably like along the lines of uh, a Dame or a Kemba, like 37% where you're like, I know those dudes can shoot, but they take some absurdly hard ones, which lower the percentages. None of that's a problem though, because Jordan Poole, if he's open, is going to nail it at over 40%. You just have to live with the fact that he's going to pull up from 28. He's going to try to take a step back with a hand in his face a couple of times a game that are probably going to lower his percentages. Steve we know does not like that stuff he hates that Steph does it he just he he picks his battles there because he knows like he can't tell the greatest shooter on earth not to shoot the ball Um, Jordan Poole I think is more in line with a lot of players around the league who can really shoot the ball but like you have to walk that line between Shot selection and killing confidence with them. Like you want them to take better shots, but you don't want to get in their head so much that you kill their confidence.
1: (laughs) Which is kind of what happened, I think. Um, and I think that's the part where people get very confused. Fans get very confused because um everybody's kind of wondering, well, if if you guys had no idea that he was going to be this good, how do you expect that to happen? You know, part of what is helping Jordan Poole be good right now is he has incredible confidence, incredible confidence that's kind of like the large part of his game it's a large part of everyone's games but like what do you think is confidence more
2: important for a, sh- for a shot maker yep. for a shot maker with skill and creativity confidence is everything way more think, i Looney. yeah i think about like lamella people are like lamella wouldn't play this way in golden state and i'm like yeah because they'd kill his confidence but why are you using that as like a good thing you know? like, as a good thank you as a good that is not a good
1: thing that's kind of like the it's it's what i'm saying like why is that a good thing um that you're kind of killing the james wiseman who, who we're probably not talking too much about today um hopefully he's fine doesn't seem like he actually it has seems COVID, like right?
2: he's well he had it earlier in the year so it yeah. seems like he's in the tracing protocol yeah, yeah. um so we won't talk about him too much but perfect example of a player whose confidence um
3: yeah.
2: has issues and the one defense I'll say is like, yes, he is playing with Stefan Draymond and that's just an added pressure that like, it's, I don't think Lamelo feels pressure to live up to Terry Rozier's expect standards, you know? Right, right, so like, right. that's just one unique thing that Wiseman has to deal with that no other top pick does. But the other part of it, the coaching staff confidence that's, that has nothing to do with Steph or Draymond.
1: It, it's just, it, there's no way a guy like that should be just look, he just looks like he's miserable out there. Anthony Edwards looks like he's having fun out there. He's looking; he's getting into a groove. Lamelo Ball has been having fun all damn season, um, and and James Wiseman right now on a team that bases itself on having fun should not look like he's miserable out there. And he looks like he doesn't want to play basketball. He looks like every single mistake.
2: It's almost like um, it's it's ironic that of the three, the top three picks, franchises. he's the only one who isn't playing yeah. with joy.
1: Like that's it's it's yeah. Joy in buckets though. <laughs> It's almost it's yeah no buckets for him. It's almost like if you're a uh, if you're a kid that's really like you're you're under a lot of pressure to get A's, right? I, I personally wasn't Sam, but I, like I've had friends and and my, my sister puts herself under the same pressure to just get an A on every single thing that she does. And James Wiseman looks like, ironically, as a person that speaks Mandarin, looks like he's putting pressure on himself to. Get an A every single possession, right? Watching Lamelo Ball, like sometimes he just has these dumbass turnover
2: passes. Just sails it over. But he's a guy's playing head. free. He's playing free. Yep. He doesn't. You don't feel like he has James Borrego's voice in his head every time he's making a decision. Yep. Whereas with James Wiseman, we'd watch him, and you can just tell he has four bazillion things going through his head. And to me, that is that is on the coaching staff. For not simplifying it and like worrying about just getting him to do a couple things well at first before moving on to the next thing.
1: Now I will. We're now we're on the Kerr stuff. I I am curious. Like Kerr has been right, I think, with a lot of long term stuff. Um, I think he's he's been correct with a lot of. Hey, if we play this style, we're going to be able to beat the Houston Rockets, right? Like, oh, maybe you beat a Miller, maybe not, but they win. Like, they won, and they wind up winning the title. and That counts. It's one of the three titles that he's coached the Warriors to win. Three chips. And three chips. You know, he, and, and whatever, how many he has total, like 18, right, on a, on, a, on a 18 rings that he has. So I'm curious, like, what if he's right with the long-term stuff with these guys, especially James Wiseman? What if he's right in saying, like, hey, like, you're going to have to play this way. If we can get you to play this way long-term, even if there are growing pains in the first season or two, is it worth it? Like, is it worth it? Because what if next season comes around and Jordan Poole is incredible? What 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 if James Wiseman is such... Like, what if he actually does all the basic things that Kevon Looney is able to do and then they unleash who he is
2: athletically? Like, I don't know. Maybe,
1: maybe he's right. I don't know. I just... throwing that out there, Sam. Just
2: throwing that out there. Well, are we pivoting? Is this podcast <laughs> pivoting? Um, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. No, you are right. It's. I, I think at its core... So, like... Warrior fans are living and dying by every game because best fan base in the NBA. Um, Correct, but we are arguing over essentially how players should be developed, and Steve Kerr is taking a very old school approach to it. With you know, um, in in, in it, it's maddening to watch game to game. It really is, but the 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 idea is in two to three years, this is going to make them better for the long haul. Right. The new school approach is. No one has time for these seven, eight year plans anymore. You won't have a job that long. That player might not even be on your team that long. And young players today have different sensibilities and goals than young players did 20 years ago. So you need to coach with reality a little more, which is build up their confidence, build up their skills, which translate to what matters in the game in 2021 and kind of expedite the process. And by the way, this isn't just an NBA thing. I think this is happening across all sports because the reality is, you know, players move, teams move. Like you can't just assume James Wiseman is going to be here till 2040, right? Like you kind of need to start getting results out of him and getting him playing up to a certain level sooner than faster.
1: Yeah, we hadn't even—I hadn't even mentioned that. Like, uh, they're playing the long game with James Wiseman. What if James Wiseman pulls at what every, whether every star NBA player does, right? Four or five years from now, and says, "I need to get out of here," right? Look like, that—that—that could very, very much happen. The, the the kind of financial ramifications are that he's just going to get paid more just because he was drafted by the Warriors, so they can give him a bigger contract. Yeah, I'm not, he, I'm
2: not saying I'm not saying he will, but I'm saying it, he's. He foolish to not say that climate exists.
1: I think that's what the Spurs dealt with with Kawhi. Everyone thought that Kawhi was going to stay on this team and be the guy for the Spurs. There was
2: just an assumption he wanted yeah. to be Tim Duncan. And yep. on some level, I feel like that goes on with the Warriors. There's just some assumption because Steph is really a throwback player and like Mr. Warrior. He's going to have a huge statue out front, though not as big as Joe Lacob's statue, of course. Um that, you know, the next players are just going to want to be like Steph Curry. And I think that's a very dangerous line of thinking, you know, like Steph is a one of one. I don't think, uh, and I'm not just talking skill wise, I'm just talking personality wise. You're, you're not going to find a guy like that. That doesn't mean the next players you find are bad guys or not serious. It's just, I, there's not a lot of people who um, right. are as thick skinned and don't care about the noise as much as Steph. I think that's, that's a, the, the Spurs comp, I think, is just perfect
1: here because I think Steph is one on one with Tim Duncan. Like, I think he stays here. He stays here forever. He retires here. Um, but that doesn't mean that's the same for James Wiseman and, and you know, Jalen Green, Kaminga. Like, Jalen Green, if, if Jalen Green is on this team next season um, and they're playing the same system and they're developing him the same way that they're doing with James Wiseman, Jalen Green is a clutch guy. <laughs> I can assure you. I can assure you it is not going to be pretty. Like if that's the same way that's being done. And and really I think that's the reason why I'm probably not even going to get drafted by the Warriors. I uh, have Camingo. But like it's like those type of
2: things is that's what I mean, the Green might play himself in the top 3 in the bubble he might anyway. be a one, But but anyway, yeah. um your point stands. Um we can't say this is a player empowerment era and players are more powerful than anything than than teams and then not adapt the way teams interact with players you know yep. just because you have the last of a dying breed in Steph Curry right like Steph and to to Clay although Clay is not really a superstar is, is an all-star um, they are they are the last of a dying breed I, I don't know that you're going to find that going forward Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, maybe, maybe Steve wins the war here.
1: I think he's won enough wars. I think just, just, he has championships. He has the right players around him. I think we'll, we'll see what happens in the next few years. Um, I I'm, I'm just, I just want James Wiseman to come back and play basketball. Um, I think they are, they are hoping that he is back, Sam, end of the week or something like that. I just, it sucks because it really doesn't seem like he has COVID and I would love for him to play.
2: Um, So let's, let's, yeah, let's talk schedule here then. You want to do that?
1: yeah yeah all right so
2: yeah so next two weeks they play philly on tuesday i think wiseman is out for that one for sure steph is probably going to set that one too do you think okay i I think i think they might just take a schedule l there to get everyone an extra day because they don't play sacramento until thursday so if you really think about it that that means steph would get a full week off just to sit him one extra game. Maybe they don't. Maybe he plays against Philly. But um, so they he played Philly Tuesday, SAC Thursday, Atlanta Friday, and then Chicago, um, I think Monday. And then they go for three games in the southeast to Miami, Tampa, where the Raptors are playing, mm-hmm. and Atlanta. So that's six-game stretch. I'm looking at this, sorry, seven game stretch, seven games over the next two weeks. If I had to guess right now, only Philly and Miami will be favored. Like per Vegas, the Warriors will be favored in five out of these seven games. Um, one of the games they're not favored is a game they may not have a full roster. So I, I could just totally see them punting the Philly game being like, eh, you were probably going to win anyway. Let's get everyone just an extra day's rest so we can take care of business the next six, Right. Uh, with that said, what would you consider in two weeks from now, next Sunday, April second? What would you consider a good record?
1: I, well, first off, I think Steph plays against Philadelphia. I have no idea. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I was surprised when you said he wasn't going to play. I think he plays. Um, so I'm just going to assume here that Steph plays all seven games. Um, but at, at worst, he's playing six. Yeah, at worst, he's playing six. I, you gotta win. You gotta win five of these things. Um, it's the Warriors have an easy second half of the schedule. I'm looking at it right now, and it starts here. Really, it started already. Um, but Steph was out; they would have won this game. They should have been three and zero. They need to start winning games. They don't. I guess they don't need to. They can, they can go three and four here and four and three and still finish like in a good seed. But I think at some point this season they're just gonna have to go on a run. And I don't know if it starts here. I don't but they have to go five and two sacks a win Philadelphia without Embiid is winnable. Right. Chicago's do, a win. Atlanta's. I, yeah. Right?
2: I do agree with you. They need to have a couple of these winning five out of seven stretches.
1: They they don't have any, it's just very simple. They want, they did. <laughs> and then they lost them all.
2: Yeah. Right. Remember like right before the win play, three,
1: lose three. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of who they are. Actually, I don't know. Maybe that's who they are, Sam, but I think they're more than that. Like we would like for them to be more than that. We think they are more than that. Um, Know, maybe some of the blames, it's not really all on Steve Kerr. Some of the stuff is just on the players, too. But
2: well, the, um, the roster, there's there's realities to this roster. But I'm looking at the schedule on Jordan
1: Poole time. Maybe
2: Jordan Poole gets them there. You know, you how are, many games do they win? You are Paul? right. I'm looking at the second half of the schedule here, and there's a lot of OKC and Houston, <laughs> both of you both of whom are like, you know, uh, you know, Cade Cunningham Cade coming Cunningham. down, right? Yeah. Um I think four wins is the minimum, five is good. Six would be amazing, but um, I think they four and a half is where I'm setting the line. I want them to get five. No. Give me a five and two here. Maybe after that, you know, you got a little Milwaukee, Washington, Houston, Denver, maybe that's a little two and two spell. Um, but, you know, the schedule gets easy. There's no reason right now they are 22 and 21, right? They have 29 games remaining. Just looking at this, even though 20 teams make the playoffs, um, actually, we'll, this is an easy way to put it two thirds of their games are against teams who are in the bottom half of the standings. Jesus. So, yeah. teams who are around them at like that 15 16 range, but also like the Oklahomas, the Clevelands, the Houstons of the world who should be easy W's, right? Um, the way I see it is they should. They should maybe go, you know, like 18 and 11 to close the season, 19 and 10, something like that. There's too many wins in here. Like, yes, they're going to lose in Philly. They're going to probably, they're going to, you know, lose in New Orleans at least once. They, you know, they might not, they'll lose to Milwaukee. You know, like some of the, there's some like clear losses here and there's some toss-up games, but then there's also a lot of like Oklahoma with 10 games left in the season. They're sitting anyone who matters, you know? (laughs) Jay Gilchrist is nowhere to be found. Like, I'm looking like, – like, literally, the only clear losses are probably
1: end of the season. you got Utah and Memphis, uh, Utah, and Phoenix. Like, that's two. And then you've got De- Denver. Even so, like, that's maybe. But then you got at Boston, at Philly. Like and by Michigan. the way,
2: Utah at the end of the season, who knows? They might have a playoff seed. They may, that may yeah, be a LeBron game. Out. That yeah. might be a game where they just start, you know, uh, you, know, you, me, the concession guys, whoever.
1: Like, there are like, – like, I'm literally, like, three, four games that they'll lose for sure in the
2: next 30. Yeah, there's there's like five schedule losses, maybe
0: 10. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Like yeah. you know, like at New Orleans is tough. It's a toss-up. Yeah. Um, and then there's at least 15 you, that you should win. It's so just,
1: they they're good enough to win these games, though. Sam, like I, it's if Jordan look Jordan Poole's not going to shoot the way he does, but if he is going to be this type of player off the bench, um, and and I think the second half is is kind of Wiseman's time to be a better player, just to just to straight up be a better basketball player. Um, and so I don't know.
2: Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to Roman.com slash lightyears. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S.-licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash lightyears And complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LightYears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash LightYears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment.
1: See, the deadline, the deadline, I see on the rundown here, the deadline is on Thursday. I had totally forgot that the deadline is on Thursday.
2: Should we get to the trade deadline?
1: Yeah, let's do this quickly before we get out of here, right?
2: Man, All right, we can insane. do this. Um, so trade deadline's Thursday. Right now, it does not appear that the big trades will happen. Bradley Beal's not getting traded, Siakam's not getting traded, much less, you know, Embiid or Giannis or someone of that caliber. I think the two biggest names who will be traded, who could potentially be traded, are Victor Oladipo or Lonzo Ball. If you had your say, would you want either of those players on the Warriors? And which one would you prefer? I would want
1: either of those players on my team. Um, I assume you're not giving up Minnesota and why or why and or wise, man. I know Houston's asking for it. Of course, they're asking for it. Um, No, they're not getting anything. Who would I rather have? Um, I think I would rather have the thought of Vickler Oladipo on this basketball team. I think like he's not as good as he once was. I am hoping that the injury didn't screw up his career. I'm really hoping. Um, so it would be very cool to have him, even though they kind of have Jordan Poole. but we'll see. It's been one week. Very cool to have a guy that can get to the hole, can score, can handle end of game situations. High on end floor. defender. Yep. High end defender. So I'm like hoping, right? That's the thought. That's the thought. Who would actually be a perfect fit on this team would be Lonzo ball. Um, like he's it's not a thought Lonzo the ball on this team would be spectacular. Um, and Steve Kerr would love him as much as he doesn't love his dad. Um, so that that's where I'm at. I think either of those guys would be great, Sam. I think I don't know if if Oladipo is on this team. I don't know how Steve Kerr uses him. It might be a bad thing. So maybe for the sake of the team, I go Lonzo, which is okay. Fine. And I have to think about that.
2: They're <laughs> both they're both free agents, but Lonzo's restricted. So that by proxy of him being younger, not having a terrible injury, yeah. and you having his restricted rights, he's going to cost you more in a trade. I just think he is. Like yes, teams are. Like, you know, the fact you have to pay him a lot of money is going to lower his trade value. It's just reality. But he's still, like, you still have the opportunity to keep him. Whereas Victor Oladipo, he's unrestricted. He can do whatever he wants. He can resign with you. He can go to Miami. He can decide he wants to go play in Athens, Greece. Doesn't, like, you have no say over the matter, right? So let's start with Lonzo here. If I said it was Kelly Oubre's, so expiring for expiring, and you throw in a first round pick but not the wolves one would you do that for lonzo ball
1: yeah i, I do it last week okay right, you you would too right
2: absolutely two? as long as it's not the wolves pick i feel like that's too much for the wolves pick but if you give them you know a top 10 protected like the 2022 warriors pick or even if you could work it so that they get this year's first round pick assuming it doesn't go to uh right 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 uh something like that like giving long Giving the 17th pick overall for Lonzo Ball, very, very good deal for the Warriors. Yeah. Um, I, I just – I
1: don't know what uh, – why New Orleans would do it. I, I think it,
2: maybe Lavar's part of it. It seems like if they move Lonzo, it's because they don't want to pay him. What he wants and it's like we're not keeping him anyway, so we got to get something. Uh,
1: it's fair. And and uh, and David Griffin's kind of of that, Stan Presti, let's get some value. Let's get some picks. He knows there, he's, not getting, he's not getting
2: a guy in free agency. He's not like Lonzo's not wall, walking and then he can just go sign Kawhi. Like he knows that's not happening.
1: Hey, and, and like, what are they going to pay him? Like $20 million? Like Stephen Adams, uh, he's getting paid like 18 mil, if I'm correct. He's $17, $18 million Stephen Adams was extended for. So if they're going to extend Lonzo Ball, who's objectively a better basketball player, he's probably like, if I'm Lonzo, give me, give me Younger, 25. Better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give me 25 mil, you know, guaranteed. I'm saying guaranteed because I'm used to football free. Right agency.
2: now we're in the middle of football free agency where like you see a contract, then you have to go read some legal document to find out what it actually means.
1: <laughs> it's all bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't say it's all bullshit. Those players are deserve the contracts. It's it's. I'm with you. I think maybe there's more of a play for Lonzo there. Um because they just they don't want to pay him. Yeah. But, but how about Oladipo? Because they're not gonna get anything for Oladipo. Oladipo has said, I'm not gonna ever play here, right? I'm not ever gonna to want to play here. I'm gonna walk. So Houston is almost at least the Pelicans could pay him if they really wanted to. Houston literally has no you know they're not paying him. You know he doesn't want to get paid there. He's walking there. So and and he's kind of hurt, so it's kind of almost damage good. So do you even need kind of a a, a future first there? It almost feels like a dump is what Houston is going to do for well, Oladipo.
2: So it, 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 it depends. If you're trading Ubre for him, you probably don't have to give him much more than the second round pick because it's like <sighs> we're trading one expiring for another expiring. But if you're the Warriors, you got to know what Oladipo wants. And, like You're not trading for him so he can walk. You're trading for him so you can resign him for right. next year, right? right? Now, if the Warriors want to get out of Wiggins' contract – they could trade Wiggins for Oladipo, but then you probably have to attach a first-round pick because they're taking on a ton of money. Would you do that? If I told you you're getting rid of Andrew Wiggins, you got to give up a first-round pick, but then you get Ola Depot back, and you can potentially re-sign Depot at a lower number than what Wiggins gets. Yeah,
1: this, see, now it gets, now it gets fun. Now I get that's a fun scenario because now you're giving up stuff to get offload the contract and get back a player for me. And I'm assuming in this scenario you re-sign Kelly Ubre too because now you're losing two wings.
2: Right, right. Okay. That, for, that for would Oladipo. be the, the, yeah. the concept would be you're getting rid of the total amount that Oladipo and Ubre would make in 2021, 2022 is less than what Ubre and Wilkins yeah. would make. And yep, maybe I mean, it's a better fit too, because at least now you have one wing and one ball handler who can guard the backcourt, and and that's kind of uh
1: for, like so it kind of rests on the what do you think about Wiggins versus Ubre? Which I, I, Ubre's back being he's being Ubre again from the earlier the season, but I think part they of that just injury, can never
2: be good at the same time. Never be. It's, 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 it's amazing, right? Like uh, oh, God. January was Wiggins month, February Valentine's Day, obviously Ubre's month. And now we're now we're in March and it's Wiggins month again. You know, I I,
1: I know I've said that I would rather have Uber on this team. So I I think either way, I think I'm open to it. Um, I think giving up the first is now you're kind of just the cupboards kind of barren and Oladipo. I don't know if it's really worth it. While I like the thought, it's just I would like Oladipo kind of just as like as a kind of like you said, like uh, if I can get rid of. There's there's serious in a, yeah. a second. Like a second's nothing, right? Like I said like they throw away seconds
2: for Smiley. Who cares? You know, like a second's nothing. So we'll get, we'll give them Smiley. <laughs> it's okay. Smiley seems like he'd do well in a town like Houston.
1: By the way, by the way, you know whose trade value has gone up in the past week? Not Smiley. Jordan Poole. Yeah, um I don't know if I, think I can trade him Sam, but like it's – I mean
2: I don't know that his trade value has gone up that high, though. I think if he does this till the end of the year, he has a real trade. Okay. Value, though. You, you think nobody's I'm... watching every Warriors game like us? Like I just... think other teams are like, it's cute. He's played five good games in right, a row. Right. Let's see him do it for like 40, you know, something like that. That's fair. I think that's oh. fair.
1: I just, I just, I At whine least a if,
2: lot. If, if, if the shoe was reversed, like another team had a guy who's really hot for five games, I'd be like, all right, but like, I'm not giving you anything for him yet.
1: Yeah, I think uh so I think the uh, I, okay so trade deadline wise, I mean the mana bialitza was brought up. I think even Aaron Gordon was brought up.
2: I saw on um uh, Yeah, there? let me let me let me yeah, you uh, get those let's get here. to let's get yeah. to Aaron Gordon here. Uh Hollinger threw in Gordon in a trade piece. Hollinger. It's not it's assumed Orlando wants to make some moves. Their season's over. <laughs> Every season's um, over for those. Guys. And you know, like their two pieces, Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac are done for the year. So uh, Aaron Gordon's been a guy that everyone's been waiting for them to trade for years anyway. Cause it's like, how are you playing Gordon and Isaac and really just everyone is apparently a power forward on that roster <laughs> draft Mo Bamba. It's just a ridiculous team construct. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, I, I like all those players. I hate them together, um, that, but that's what they are. Are you into Aaron Gordon? Because to trade for Aaron Gordon, I'm assuming, well, no, I'm not assuming you have to give up. Ubre or Wiggins in some combination because the money doesn't work if you don't do it. Yeah. Uh, the money, there was some cat magic stuff
1: where they actually uh, like unlocked that pick that they were going to give away, like unlock the restrictions on the pick mm-hmm. that they were going to get like stuff like that, where I was just like, all right, just let me know what the trade actually is. Hunter. Jesus Christ. Um, Aaron Gordon does feel like literally the exact. Same. He's bigger. Sam, he's bigger. So he's bigger than Oubre, he's bigger than Wiggins.
2: More of a Wiggins. 4 more of a 4 yeah.
1: than a 2. Yeah. He's
2: more of a 4, but again, same stuff. Not a consistent shooter. Athletic. Did you as, know he's shooting 41% from 3 this year? And just just so we can make it clear that he's not a shooter, he's 62% from the line. Uh I think oh, he's he might perfect. be more Oh, he's perfect. Sixty-two percent from the line. I think he might be one of those guys who's really benefiting from the open gym, making the three going a little easier. Like Wiggins too.
1: Yeah, uh, extremely athletic. Um, extremely athletic. Solid um, so- passer. He is a better passer than those two. But he's not <laughs> Draymond Green. I'm a better passer than those two. Uh, no, that's fair. Um, so is he a better basketball? I think you could. I mean, he's objectively better than Kelly Oubre. I think is he better than Andrew Wiggins? Is I- he? Is he?
2: <laughs> mm. I mean, they play different, they kind of play different positions, right? But like
1: impact on the game though, impact on the game, right? Like sure. they're kind of all similar, right? Like I, I guess like, I think Aaron Gordon, maybe like a developed version of him is like the guy that would be fun on the Warriors, like Pascal Siakam, his name's been thrown around there, right? Like he, Siakam's a, a
2: significantly higher caliber of player yeah, than all, all these those guys. guys. Yeah. All those guys, right? All these guys, all these guys look like Siakam on their best day, but then you get a lot of days where they're not that good so a lot of days Would i do it
1: for aaron gordon it it honestly sounds it feels like a, it feels like a lot of uh moving the numbers around and a lot of movement for getting kind of the same player not really a much better impact so i don't know
2: i think i'm with you i'm not opposed to it but i'm not giving up like picks to make it happen cuz i i'm not like convinced it tangibly moves you better right yeah It's just one of those, like, hey, if you want to swap Ubre for Gordon, yeah, we'll give that a shot. (laughs) Why not, right? You know? Yeah, sure. I'll tell you this. Aaron Gordon in a small ball lineup next to Draymond could be a lot of fun. Could be a lot of fun because the one thing I hate about him in Orlando is, like, I swear they have him play out of position so much, right? Like, he should be in a Draymond-esque role. And instead, too often, he has to play, like, a small forward or no spacing or et cetera. Maybe if we
1: could rank these three guys, uh, let's say the trades are pre, like, you no, know, no picks are gone. No, no Minnesota, no Minnesota pick, no Wiseman pick, you know, if maybe, you maybe, maybe guys, a
2: second, but like, yeah, yeah, nothing of substantial value. Rank those guys for me, Sam. Lonzo, Depot, AG. Um Okay. Okay. Actually bring it back. So we're assuming the cost or Lonzo costs the most Depot costs the second most Gordon costs the least. It feels like Gordon would be the second, right? It feels yeah, like Depot's yeah, more of a throwaway. Yeah. Yeah, because Depot's all right. So I think if you're gonna bring back the same core next year, I kind of want Ola Depot because his skill set is yeah. different. Lonzo's skill set is p- pretty similar to Draymond's offensively. Like he's a ball mover. He can actually shoot the ball, which is nice. But um oh. uh, He's shooting the ball well. He is. Year. he is. He is. He is. Um, but I would rather, I would rather have pre-injury Oladipo. I don't know if that guy exists. I think I want to roll the dice because I th- yes. just based on based on what I've seen, I think he's physically back. He just hasn't cleared that final mental hurdle. Like watching him play, like he moves as fast as he used to move. He just does that thing where he shies up from contact, probably because he doesn't want to get hurt again. And that's like a mental hurdle that like you and I both know there is physically getting back and then there's mentally being back. I'm not sure he's fully mentally cleared that final hurdle and that's fine. It'll come over time. I'd be a lot more concerned if like he was moving slower. Cause like, you can't do anything about
1: that. I, the scary, scary part here is though you got Depot and clay out there. That's both clearing mental hurdles physically or mentally just out there on the basketball court. Right. So that, and you, and you got to pay all Depot, but here's the thing. I agree with you. Give me Victor Oladipo. Like, you kind of don't need to give that much to get them. What you need to give is money because you're going to have to re-sign them. You don't just, you don't just get them. Yeah. And and we
2: should say the caveat is you get indication that he will re-sign and you know what the number is. Like you've, like this is, Bob has already talked to his agent and they know they're like 80% there. You know, he probably has, like, he probably has a number that
1: like he's, Knows that's in mind of people's agent. Like, he hey, knows here. what
2: it's going to take to get the job done. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah.
1: yeah, like he knows, like, hey, he wants 480, right? Or whatever it is, 400, yeah. whatever. Which is just like, Jesus Christ. I don't know. Not my money. Uh, I'm going to have to pay him. They're, they could pay him if they get him, right? So it's, like, kind of worth it. But I'm with you. Like, that's just kind of a different guy that they need. Like, Aaron Gordon, like, we get it. Like, kind of know where he's going to be. Probably not going to be that great. Probably going to be fine. Lonzo, he's probably the best out of the three as a basketball player um but he just doesn't solve the scoring problem
2: yeah Lonzo is just another uh Draymond which honestly I want Lonzo if they ever trade Draymond Lonzo would be like the first guy to want to bring in to like fill that role of kind of the guy who keeps the ball moving right yeah um but as long as they have Draymond it's somewhat superfluous and I'd rather have the guy who can kind of create out of pick and roll and be a more of a dynamic scoring threat, which is something they lack. It's just something they lack. They have staff. Clay's not that guy. Draymond's certainly not that guy. <laughs> Depot would be that guy.
1: Uh, We've talked ourselves into Victor Oladipo, everyone, um, this week. So we will uh, we'll have to wait till Thursday to see what happens. I'm sure maybe we'll do a show or something, but um, if something does happen. But yeah, Victor Oladipo week here for Light Years
2: yeah and so i think we'll end it here we're gonna do locker room after the philly game and after the kings game and if the warriors make a here's our rule if the warriors make a trade that affects their starting lineup we're doing an emergency pod if they trade damian lee for um someone else's damian lee you're not getting an emergency pod guys like, we're not, sorry, there's no emergency pod for Michael Mulder being traded for Terrence Davis.
1: There so, might be an emergency pod for Alan Smiley Beach being traded.
2: There might be. So. Well, that, that that qualifies as a starter since he started the last game. <laughs> so. All right,
1: man. All right,
2: I'll talk to you later. All
1: right.